theyeshiva.net. Thank you for joining us. Today's class is dedicated by Dr. Robert Frankel, dear friend in the merit of his grandchild Rami Alexander Ben Ashley, for a complete and speedy recovery of Rafur Shlema and Rafur Kreva and many, many long, happy, healthy, prosperous years with abundance of health and happiness and joy and all blessings and good spirits and a lot of nachas, Rafur Shlema, Rafur Kreva, Bekar of Mamash. If you didn't open your source sheets yet, like I, then open it right now. And we're going to continue the Mimer of the Baal Hatanya, known as Sheshes Yamim in the Siddur. Yesterday, uh, when was it? Last year, we spoke about why the Zayar calls the Matzah Michla de Nusa, the bread of faith. And we are up to page, let's see, page 834, we finished the paragraph, the first paragraph, we're holding the second paragraph on page 834, V'zehu V'zehu Amuna. Today is going to be our last installment of this Mimer. It's a very long Mimer. The Mimer goes on to different aspects, but we're going to uh, conclude the focus, the first major theme of the Mimer, which we have been focusing on. So let's continue inside. V'zehu ure'eyemuna. V'zehu ure'eyemuna. This is the meaning of the Pasuk in Tehillim. Ure'eyemuna. Like he quoted in the beginning of the Maimer, Shemefarnes ha'emuna. Shepherding emuna. You have to shepherd emuna. Meaning, Mefarnes ha'emuna. You have to feed, give parnasa, give sustenance and livelihood to emuna. What does this mean? It's not that the person necessarily can comprehend, can grasp the essence of the light of infinity, which is I am who I am, as it is in its ultimate truth. Rather, it's only that it's manifested, it's enclosed in the matzah and through the matzah. Meaning that the Jew eating matzah has now the know-how to be able to call out father. There's a certain sense in the child. Obviously, the words, the ability to call out Abba represents a certain stage in neurological development. It's a certain internal awareness that the child has now in a conscious way, in an organized way, that was not there before. In a primal unconscious way, a, a, a baby, even in the womb, is receives a lot of information. You know, today we know, Chazal speak about the experiences in the womb, in Masech Nida, and today we know, you know, how impactful Everything is on a child, on the nervous system of the child, things that happen during pregnancy, things that even happen during conception. It it seemed in the olden days like a strange thing. You affect a child by affecting a child. But today we know how sensitive it is and how deep the human psyche is. 
how impressionable it is, how much it absorbs. But those are all impressions that don't happen in a conscious, organized way. The Chiddush here is, Sheyoideya Likris Abba We spoke about in the previous Shir, the Gemara Brach is Dafmem. When the baby eats grain, when the baby stops nursing milk and starts eating grain, dug on, something happens. It could start calling out father and mother. This means that there is some development here, an internal development and awareness. Nonetheless, as the metaphor of the child, it's not that the child really gets it, understands what it means you're my father, what it means you're my mother. That's true. Still, the child does get it. child may not be able to, you know, comprehend the full magnitude of it, the full depth of it, you know, what makes your, you know, all the dynamics, all the reasons for it, all the ramifications, okay, that takes some time. Sometimes it takes a lot of time till you realize what a tati and a mommy are. But nonetheless, there's a certain stage of development that he could recognize Abba. Says the al the Jewish people in Mitzrayim are like that Tinaik, because Mitzrayim is considered our birth. It's our birth. Like Yecheskel Hanavi says, and we say it in the Haggadah, that God meeting us in Egypt before the redemption was literally like encountering a newborn baby with everything that comes with a newborn baby. Yecheskel is extremely graphic, Ezekiel chapter 16, about what we looked like. And part of it we say in the Haggadah, on the night of Pesach, by the Jewish people eating matzah that night, there was the commandment to eat matzah on the night of Pesach. That eating of the matzah was the tam dogon. It was the taste of grain that allowed the Jew Yedeya Likrois Abba. That this amuna, this amuna in Anoichi Misha Anoichi, we're not talking here the kayach apoyal benifal, in other words, in recognizing the divine in creation and through creation, which is a universal, which is a universal lot, Jew and non-Jew, as explained at length. We're talking here the mohus of Ainsaif, the essence of Ainsaif, which is beyond creation. The Anoichimisha Anoichi. So you can't say that they grasped it as it is in its pristine truth but rather the way it's manifested and filtered somewhat through the matzah, like the child. Does the child have the full comprehension and full awareness of what it means, Abba? No, but the child does have a certain experience that this is Abba. And therefore he says, Shepherd Amunah. Just like you sustain somebody. You give somebody sustenance, life, life through Michael, through food. Food is the chief, one of the chief ingredients through which we keep somebody alive. We replenish their energy. Just like through the flavor of grain that a tinek, that a child, an infant tastes. So this is the concept of ure'e, shepherd. When you shepherd, I say a shepherd, he shepherds his flock. What does it mean, you're a shepherd? What does a roya do? Roya Yisrael Azina. What does a good roya sign do? 
the most important thing is you have to make sure that your sheep, your goats, your cattle, all the animals that are under your domain are being fed, have what they need, are being nurtured. That's what a shepherd does. We have the story of Moshe Rabbeinu. He's identified in Torah as Moshe Haya Roya. Moshe was a shepherd, as the Medrash says. He was always a shepherd. He was created to be a shepherd. And what was his role? His role was to take care of the flock of Yisrael. And there's the famous story in Medrash Rabbah that when one sheep ran away, Moshe pursued him. And when Moshe pursued him, the sheep ran further and further until Moshe found the sheep and lifted up the sheep on his shoulder. This Medrash says, and brought it back and told the sheep, ah, I didn't realize you were thirsty, and he went and he found a brook of water or a stream of water or whatever it was, and he irrigated the sheep. And that's the quintessential model for a shepherd. And that's when Hashem says, if this is how you treat sheep, you could be the one entrusted to be the shepherd of my people. So a roya is the one who makes sure everybody has the parnasa they need, the sustenance they need. A shepherd means you have skin in the game. You take responsibility. It's your responsibility to make sure that all of the flock have what they need. This is called lefarnesism, to sustain them, to give them parnasa. They don't need a paycheck every week, but they need to make sure they have their water, they have their protection, they're not scorched from heat, they're not too cold, they have all the food they need. Ure'e emuna, you have to shepherd emuna, you have to feed emuna. Emuna also needs a star. Every, per, every Jew has this emuna. As he said, and therefore the antenna of a Jew picks up the, the, the neshama of a Jew picks up, it absorbs, it detects and it's not satisfied with anything else because it senses the truth. But it can be unconscious or it could be very dormant or it could not be impactful. It could be very concealed. So the amuna needs nurturing. The word amuna means faith, but the word amuna, it says in Tanya, chapter 42, comes from the word imunim, exercise. Exercise is called imunim, training. La'amen, a coach, a trainer is called ma'amen. Right? What does it say in, in, in Megillah? Vayhi oimein es hadasahi esther. Over there, it's Mardechai took care. He nurtured. He nurtured Esther. What's this idea of imunim or me'amen? It's the idea of training, of doing it again and again and again. In other words, you can have an amazing skill for dancing. You can have an amazing skill for writing. You can have an amazing skill for being a therapist. You can have an amazing skill as a mathematician, or as a musician, or as a novelist, or as a communicator. Or as an athlete. But if you don't practice, if you're not amen yourself, it don't, you don't do anything with it. And you know, what do they say? The 10,000 hour rule, right? 10,000 hour rule. So the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, in Perik Membeh, chapter 42, that's part of Amunah. Amunah means... It's not just, I believe, it's, tra- it's a training, it's a skill that has to be developed. It's there, it's there, you have it in you, you're an athlete. You have an antenna to, 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 to pick up Ein Soif, Atzmos Ein Soif, Atzmos Ein Soif, Anoichi Misha Anoichi. But I have to nurture it, Ure'e Amunah, the Amunah has to be shepherded. 
And that's the word, you know, we have in Al Shaykh the word umnus. What's umnus? Umnus is a trade. In Yiddish, it's called afach. Afach. You say an uman, maisa uman. This is a craftsman's work. Umnus. What makes it a trade? The Gemara has an expression in Shabbos about Rajbi, Tafyud. Toirosoi umnosoi. His toida is his trade, it's his fach. An umnus means, you know, a shoemaker or a barber or a lawyer, whatever your umnus is. This is what I do every day again and again and again. I just know it. I know it. Why? Because it's an umnus, it's constant. Toirosoi umnosoi means it's constant. So what makes a muna a muna? A muna is a skill of the soul. It's that skill, it's that aspect of the soul that when cultivated, it allows the soul to perceive and experience ultimate reality. Ultimate reality means the ultimate essence of the Ein Saif. But it needs you to a muna. See, it's just like the Dagon feeds the child and gives the child the ability to say Abba Ima, this is the matzah. Even though the grain becomes a cause, as the Gemara says, that a child experiences a much higher level of awareness called moichin the gadlos, im in Nobody's going to say that a physical piece of bread captures the essence of wisdom. But, Somehow it's enclosed in the bread in a very concealed way. But somehow here there is this ability to be able to give it to the child. And now we'll understand what it means. It doesn't mean that a muna shepherds us. Somebody is a shepherd who sustains a muna. The explanation is Knesset Yisrael Nikriyas Amuna. He said at the beginning of the Maimah that Knesset Yisrael is called Amuna. Why we call Amuna? Because Knesset Yisrael has the Meichin, the awareness, the sensitivity to be able to grasp the truth of Ein Saif. But in order to sustain it, in order to feed it, in order to shepherd it, that it should be more powerful, more alive, more vibrant in a person. You need a shepherd. This shepherd is the father, which is also known as Chachma, the source of all of Hatzilus, who wants that the child should be able to have access to it. So you have to feed the child, the dugun that can be eaten by the child. You also can't feed a child too much. Even if you're feeding the child oatmeal or whatever it is from the grain, it has to be the baby food consistent with the age and the composition and the height and the health of the child. So you, when, you, when you feed something, you feed an animal too much, it won't work. Kachok, you can overeat, achilagasa. I have to give you the right dosages of food and it has to be condensed, it has to be contracted in order for you to be able to get what you need, to get those nutrients. So he says, Abba, the father, feeds, he feeds the children. He dresses up the meichin, the weirdness, the meichin, the godless, in a small fashion. And 
And this is like the eating of the matzah. The next, uh, the next, the next side, the next column, eight thirty-four. This is like the eating of the matzah on the first night of Pesach, and that's why he's called Roy Yisrael, the shepherd of Yisrael. And that's why matzah is called the Michael of Amuna in Zayhar, and this will be enough for somebody who understands. We have to understand why the Pasuk says in Parshish Rei, six, six days you should eat matzah. Why six? If this is such a powerful idea that the matzah gives the Jewish people this type of awareness, it's mechazek it strengthens it. And yes, it's an oifen of katnos, meaning it's not that the night of Yitzhak Mitzrayim they were capable of understanding everything. But it gives you this this strength, this chizuk and amuna. God, it's only six days. Malchus of Atzilus, which is sometimes called in Kabbalah, it's called Mehem Nusa, as he brings in the footnotes. <coughs> and Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish souls, are comprised of ten spheres, ten faculties. The main brokenness that comes from the yeast in the dough was in the Midas. Representing the six Midas. That's why the Jews were instructed to eat matzah for six days because of the six Midas. What does this mean? If we take the metaphor of a child, when he eats the grain, he knows to call out father, mother. In other words, there's a certain stage in his development that he can appreciate, this is my father, this is my mother, and I'm not going to substitute them for anything else. And I know that there's a special connection here, and there's a special bond, and a special relationship, and it's processed in a very, in, 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 in a very conscious way. It's still called katnos. He's only a baby. He's six months, one year, one year old, two years old. When he's saying abavim, but nonetheless, there is there is there is an awareness here. Yes, it's a small awareness. It's a primitive awareness. It's a condensed awareness, but it's an awareness. But what will happen here is that his atzmos, his very essence feels connected and attached and aligned with his father and mother. He's going to walk after his father, go after his father, and call him Abba, or mother. In other words, in this healthy development called attachment, there's no attachment disorder, there is attachment, there is connection. This is enough to be able to tell the child, I want to be around these people. I'm walking after my father. I want to be with my father. I want to be with my mother. Of course, you need a father and a mother who are attached, not who are out for lunch, and that this creates all types of issues with uh, attachment avoidance and some other things. A child has to be able to feel this connection. And when the child feels this connection, he's not leaving. For us, you know what happens then? 
So in spirituality, what in physically, what this means by a child is it affects the growth of all of his emotions, all of his experiences. It's interesting how Terebus should say this, because today this is very big in psychology. All his experiences and emotions are filtered through that attachment. If that attachment is healthy and powerful, and you're talking about a little baby here, it's not the, the baby's not a philosopher and he's not a psychologist, but if that baby feels attached, this is Abba, this is Ima, I don't want to leave you. And that's a good sign because I want to be connected to you. And because you want to be connected and you have that connection, then ultimately you can become an independent person because you have a solid base. Your base is solid and healthy. So what happens is all my midas are filtered through that attachment. So what is this spiritually? He says, spiritually it means that midas of hativim, my natural dispositions, because of this bitl, this oneness with the Abba, spiritually speaking through the matzah, it affects all of my midas. Even the middas that were affected by the shvira, by the breaking of the vessels, we spoke often about toyhu and tikkun. You remember many maimar that also the maimar sheishes yamim and lekutat toyna that we learned. It's also a maimar sheishes yamim. You have it also on lekutat toyna pesach. We have it on the website. Over there, it's at length, lengthy discussion about toyhu and tikkun. That there was a shvira, there was a breaking of the vessels in the world of Tayu, and as a result of that, the midas become broken, and that's what midas royas are. Midas royas doesn't only mean bad midas, they mean broken midas. Midas that don't represent the wholesomeness of a person. Because all midas royas come from brokenness. Ra means broken. In Babakama we have kaisla ra'ua, a flimsy broken wall. Any midah. Any midr you talk about, midr rois, yeah? narcissism. What's narcissism? Narcissism represents the brokenness of a person. There's no attachment. I can't trust anybody or anything. Talk about jealousy. Talk about hatred. Talk about envy, animosity. All of these midrs, yeah, arrogance, the need to be arrogant, the need to get validation from everybody and to be at the center of every conversation. What is that? It's a brokenness. It comes from Shvira. Any Midara, any Midara you want to identify, you'll see at the core there's a Shvira. I'm not recognizing my attachment. I don't have attachment. I don't have attachment with my core, with my source, and if I don't have attachment with myself. So I'm looking. If you, if you don't have the love that you need, if you never got the love that you need, you substitute it by searching for attention. I need attention. The difference between love and attention, of course, is that attention only lasts while you're getting it. The moment you stop getting attention, it doesn't last anymore, right? If I'm desperately craving attention and I give a wonderful speech and I get a standing ovation for two minutes, at that moment, I, so to speak, compensated for the void of love, but right after that, it's all over. That's why many musicians, what happens... They're worshipped by tens of thousands of people, but then they go home and they can't deal with it because the void sets back in, but only with much more intensity. Because there was no real connection, there was no real attachment. That's called shvira. It's amazing ideas here. So what happens here is that the middas that had the shvira, and therefore it results in middas, rise broken middas, 
But they can all be reoriented and be realigned with Kedusha, with wholesomeness. For example, my love and awe should be directed towards truth. Not to love or fear other things. In other words, he's taking the first two midas, Ava and Yira. People are afraid of so many things. I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid of what people are going to say. I'm afraid of how I'm impacting people, what they're going to think of me. Ava, right? This person, all addiction is a form of love. I'm attached to things, but they're all taking me away from what I need. I'm addicted to food. This person is addicted to alcohol. This person is addicted to gambling. Khalila, a person is addicted to certain websites, a person is addicted and has a crush on certain things or certain people, whatever it is, every person. What am I missing? I'm missing the ahava, the real love that I desperately need, the love to truth, the love to elikus, which is my own emes, which is my own panemius, that's what I'm missing. So this is the Meridic idea of Sheishis Yomim Teichel Matzas. Alter Rebbe says, I depchines habitl shemizbatl mekolritzenis shulek shakere Abba. When the child calls out Abba Ima, which is a real thing, it's an experience of Abba and Ima, a very deep connection. Shuwa noichi misha noichi. This is done noichi. Aidei ha'emuna hanal shenem shachbachilis matzah. Milmaila minadas kanal. Through the emuna that comes in through the eating of the matz. As we said, a munna comes from beyond das. You're talking about something that's deeper than das. The first level of kayach apayel benifel, this is through das, through understanding the flow of energy that's in their world. Even that has infinite levels. But the second idea, the this is beyond das. And it's there in every Jew. Every Jew, just like the child has it. But the dagon is what allows it to come out, what allows it to be experienced consciously. That's the matzah. And he explained the difference between bread and matzah. Bread, which has sourdough, which has yeast, blows up. That's already the yesh. But matzah represents the ayin, the original, the core, the essence, chachma itself, before bina, which is the nekuda of bitl, which is anoichi misha anoichi. It's beyond language, it's beyond definition, beyond descriptions. Once that happens, this matzah can re-infuse the six midas of a person. Chesed is attraction. Gvur is boundaries. Teferis is empathy. Netzach is victory. Hoid is submission or surrender or acknowledgement or gratitude. Yisoid is bonding, communicativity. These midas which have been affected by a shvira, by the breaking of the vessels in the beginning of creation, as we learned many times, they can now be sheishes yamam teichel matzas. Six days you can eat matzah, each day represents one of these midas. And you can infuse them with the matzah. Hashem's essence transcends all structure, even the ten spheres. The Zoyar says, the, the introduction to the Kuni Zoyar, known as Pasach many people say it Friday before Mincha. So the Zoyar says, you are beyond Yud 
he emanated from himself, he identified with his, his, within his infinity ten characteristics, in order to be able to create a perception, an experience in the world of these ten spheres. So Hashem could shepherd this awareness, which is beyond Das, in endless different ways, not only for six days. But the recipients can't take it for more than six days. So this Shefa, this flow, from the Ein Saif, is, so to speak, divided, compartmentalized in six days. Because in these six middas you had the brokenness. To transform brokenness into wholeness, darkness into light. And this is enough for somebody who understands. So to summarize very briefly what we're learning here, at least one of the points, a lot, a lot, a lot of going on here, but at least one of the points, if you, this was a metaphor that Reb Hillel, Reb Hillel Paracher gave, we learned to Maimer, you remember two, of, two summers ago, Reb Hillel's Maimer, about the, th- the three weeks, he gives there a fabulous metaphor. He says, you know, if I go into a museum and I see an, extra, uh, an art museum, an art gallery, and I see an extraordinary painting, an extraordinary piece of art, and when I look at it, I may not be an art connoisseur. I may not know how to paint and how to draw. I may never have taken classes or lessons about, about art. But I have some sensitivity. So I look at a certain painting and I'm like, wow. Can I explain what's the wow? Can I explain to you everything that went through the process, that went through the mind of this artist? And I can't. I don't have the information. But I see enough to be able to say, this is something special. This is something unique. And I'm, I'm, there's, a, there's an awe there, there's a reverence there. You know, sometimes you hear something from somebody, you hear somebody communicating. You read something from somebody, you read a book. Even if you may not understand everything, and you may not understand the wisdom of this person completely, but there's enough there to be able to tell me that there's something very special here. But Rebillo says, but can you know who the person is on his own without the art? No. All I know about the artist is that he or she is capable of producing such a piece of art. Just like when I read your book. I may be very, very impressed. I may be blown away. But do I know anything about you outside of the book? No. Whatever you chose to communicate in the book, I know about. Whatever you chose to convey through the piece of art or through the piece of music or an architecture through the blueprints of the home, or a contractor through the actual home, or a sculpture through this actual sculpture, sculptured item, I know that. I know you through your item. I know you through your book, through your music, through your home, through your piece of art, which is amazing, and you may know a lot. But do I know anything about you? Do I know anything about what type of person you are, your struggles, your vices, your virtues, your inner experiences, your childhood, your development, what makes you tick, who are you in your essence. It may be that for this artist, actually, painting is one of the most insignificant things in his life. (laughs) He may have so many other talents that are completely beyond what you ever imagined. 
You know, you read this book, you finish reading a book, and you feel like you're the best friend of the writer. You know, you know that? You read this thick, a thousand-page book, and you think you're his best friend, right? But you never met him. You don't even know what he looks like, unless there's a picture. But you don't know what he looks like. Do you know what type of marriage he has? you know what type of person he is? Do you know what other interests he has outside of writing? For him, the whole writing experience may be a very, very little part of his life. For you, it means everything, because that's my only access to you. But does it really capture his essence? So Reb Hillel gives this metaphor, and he says, this is the two levels that Al-Tareb is talking about here. The first level is Koyach HaPoyal Benifel. I recognize Hashem through the painting. Our world is an amazing painting. It's just a piece of, of magical engineering. Every cell, every cell is stupendous, is a stupendous, extraordinary act of, of, of infinite engineering and wisdom. You know, if we only had access to one leaf, if we were born on a planet that had only one leaf, one leaf of a tree, it would be indisputable proof that there's a creator. Because the wisdom, the engineering that goes into one leaf, you could read about this, is so intricate, is so powerful, it's so incredible, that one leaf of one tree would, be, would logically prove to me that there's a Bairi Forget about a whole tree. <laughs> Just one leaf of one tree. One cell. One neuron. One atom. And we're talking about in every tiniest piece of matter, billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of atoms. But just one atom. Just one, one genetic code in one cell out of 100 trillion cells in the body. So you could learn a tremendous amount. And if you take this seriously, you come to realize that the world is divine energy. But what about the divine do I know? I know about the artist from the painting. But what about the artist himself? That's Anoichi. So you have Bridvar Hashem Shemayim Nasu Bereshis Baralukim Shemayim Vesar. It's no small feat. Elikim is quite big. But Anoichi Hashem Alekech. Anoichi Hashem Alekech. After all the study of science and physics and geology and cosmology and astrophysics and mathematics and philosophy and psychology and biology, all of that, it's all koyach hapoyal benifel. That's a good guy. The nefesh is something else. The nefesh is connected to the essence. The nefesh senses atzmo saint soif. Atzmo saint soif beyond koyach apel benifo. Vahaftas Hashem alekecha, your God. You have an antenna to be able to experience the atzmiyas of alekus. The atzmiyas of alekus is beyond hishtalshalus, beyond hashpa, beyond hispashtas, beyond giliyar. It's what Alter Rebbe says during the moment of Dveikus. What would Alter Rebbe say? That Tzemach Tzedek says he would hear his grandfather in a moment of Dveikus. You know what the Tzemach Tzedek says? He would quote a Pasuk in Tehillim, Mili Haba, 
You don't want Elam Haba? Want, everyone is working to get Elam Haba. <laughs> you don't want Elam Haba? Al-Tareb had nothing against Elam Haba. I don't get stuck in Elam Haba. I don't get stuck in anything. Ichvil managed as Dichalein. I want you. And you is deeper than everything. Because Elam Haza, Elam Haba, these are all condensed forms of energy allowing for the perception of the divine based on the limitations and the chemistry of that soul or that angel of that world. And in each world you have the way the divine is communicated as the engine and the chemistry and the soul of that world called Kayach HaPa'el But then there's a Noyich Yashem it's a different experience. That's the Jew. That's the Jew. The Jewish antenna experiences and this is the secret of the Jew. This is the enigma of the Jew. This is the challenge of the Jew. This is the void of the Jew. This is where Yiddishkeit begins. That's why it's the opening of Asaris Adibris. Not a The question is, can I live with this consciously? This is matzah. The matzah was the first ability, even as a tinek, as a child coming out of Egypt, where it accesses this food, accesses Abba. Abba means father, Abba means chachma. That which is lamailam in adas, to be able to come into das in a way that the, 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 the child could say Abba Ima and follow Abba Ima and not substitute them with anybody else. I don't want anybody else. I want you. What makes you my father? What makes you my mother? I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm sorry. I'm just one years old. Don't ask me these philosophical questions. <laughs> Everything is there. It's there in a way that relates to the child's reality at that moment. That's what happens with eating matzah. Every year, a Jew eats matzah. It's not just you're eating a piece of bread, which is a nice ritual. In the matzah, the Rebbeinu Shalaylam was mamshech. That's why there's so many halachas about matzah. It's like, calm down. It's not, it's not a joke. When the matzah is made with this ingredients, Hashem says, this matzah has an energy. It's called matzah's mitzvah. And you make a bracha. Besides the bracha, which is birchas hanenin. Before you eat bread, you make a bracha. Before you eat a vegetable, you make a bracha. That's a general bracha. You make a matzah too. But there's a bracha, the matzah is a mitzvah. It's a divine connection. It's not just God told me to eat matzah. The matzah itself is something that communicates, infuses a Jew with something. What does it infuse you? It gives a chiyos to this emuna that's stored in the essence of the soul. Sheishis yamim toichel matzahs. So all my midas, my six midas, I can heal from brokenness from that attachment. Attachment with what? Attachment with the core, attachment with the essence. Now, according to this, and this is what I'm going to conclude with, if you remember how the Maimah began, first the Torah says seven days you should eat matzahs. 
In Parshas Re, it's a sixth day. So the Gemara says, Dover Shaya Bechlal, Vyatsum and Aklal Alamad, Lel Alamad al Atsum, Yatsum Alamad al Aklal Kuliyats. The whole first shear at length. That when something was in the Klal and it's taken out of the Klal, it's here to teach us about the whole Klal. So the Alter Rebbe wants to know why the seventh day was the one that was included and then excluded, and then it teaches us about Cheshus Yomim. And very briefly, I'm just going to say this in a few sentences, because this is really the whole second part of the Maimer. The seventh day was Kriyas Yamsuf. Kriyas Yamsuf represents, like we learned in Torah Erbashalach, Hafach Yamli Abasha, that everything that's concealed comes out. Almadis Gasya becomes Almadis Galya. It comes from a place that's deeper than Yam and Yabasha, and therefore it could synth- synthesize both. So Shviyish al Pesach represents already a deeper state of consciousness where the Jew experiences Atzmos, Anoichi, Misha, Anoichi, not only through Matzah. Matzah, that's for the child. The child eats Dagon, and in the Dagon, he gains awareness, or she gains awareness of Abba Nima. But that's called Katnos, Pchinas Katnos. It's the way this ultimate reality is condensed and filtered in baby food. Shvi Shal Pesach is already beyond matzah. That's why Achilles matzah is rishus. It's voluntary. During the first night of Pesach, when we're just in, still in Mitzrayim, I have to eat matzah. That's my access to it. Shvi, after seven days, Shvi Shal Pesach is Kriyas Yamsuf. Everything that was concealed could be revealed. So even the deepest levels of atmos can be fully, fully experienced without restrictions, without filters. It doesn't have to go through the bread. It doesn't have to be malubish, but it doesn't have to be condensed and filtered and limited and contracted in baby food. Even though the baby food also gives you the access to Abba Ve'ima. But nonetheless, it's like a child. Seven days later, there's a full development of it. And therefore, matzah then is rishus. It's voluntary. Oh, that's only the seventh day. But once you hit the seventh day, you could redefine all the six days. That you can go back and all the middas can be elevated from the first night into the state of the seventh day, which is beyond matzah, which is rishus. It's beyond matzah. The six middas all become a reality, a channel for the absolute infinity of Atzma Saint Soif, and there is complete oneness in the person. I just wanted to mention that I know that this is difficult and abstract, but I wanted to mention it because just to give you the, the continuation of the Maimer, how it all comes full circle, why the Torah says to eat matzahs for seven days, and then he excludes the seventh day. And then from that we learn that all the six days are voluntary. Because we eat matzahs for seven days. So you would think you have to eat for seven days. He says, no, only six days. The seventh day, if you want, you can eat matzah. But essentially, the seventh day takes you to a place beyond matzah. From there, we learn that also the six days, the six middas, can be redefined through the matzah. That's one aspect which he's going to continue in the second part, in the second part of the Maimer. Let me take some questions. Question number one. You explained that matzah is not inflated. There's no bloatedness in matzah. Does that represent the fact that despite perfection of time, place, all this is necessary but insufficient, and we have to possess the humility of matzah 
and the sincerity of a simple Jew who doesn't have an ego. Yeah, the idea of matzah is humility. And he's explaining in this Maimer, what, what do we mean by humility? Humility here is the concept of chachmah, which is before the idea takes shape and develops an ego. In chachmah, there's no intellectual ego. Chachmah is kayachma. Rabbi Manus Friedman recently posted a story about a lonely old widower who knew very little about Yiddishkeit. He somehow realized it was Seder night. He took out three rice cakes and non-kosher wine and an old Haggadah from his mother. That was a Seder. Rabbi Friedman says, maybe God had a lot of nachas from this sincerity, albeit that halachically it was an improper Seder. Maybe God appreciated this more than the technically correct routine lavish seders of others. Perhaps. We're talking about the fact here that the supernal ruchnius you get only through the matzah. This is why, as philosophers say, it's necessary but insufficient. And the sincerity and emesdikite is important, but you need to eat the matzah. Yeah, listen, I'm sure the Gemara says, Every gesture of a person is significant. The fact that this person wanted to have a Seder, that's amazing. That's very special. The fact that he was eating rice cakes instead of matzah, okay. He did, you know. (laughs) The fact that he had non-kosher wine, I mean, it's... I think it's important to say the sincerity is very powerful. The fact that it was non-kosher wine is unfortunate. The fact that he didn't have matzah is unfortunate. You know, there's also something you have to be careful with. I once saw an ad in the New York Times many, many years ago. They were promoting a seder. Listen to this. Matzah with pork. Okay? So on one hand, you could look at it and say, wow, these are Jews who are eating pork, but they want a seder. That's true. On the other hand, it's painful because you're eating a you're having a seder. In other words, you want to connect to Yiddishkeit. You want to connect to the spirit of Pesach. You want to connect to your parents. You want to connect to your ancestors. But for them, eating pork was something that they wouldn't even entertain. So there's something also sad about that. You understand? Of course, you want to bring out the good and accentuate the good. And Rabbi Yitzchak of Baditchev would. Uh, would be able to say a lot of beautiful things, and so should we. But you also have to recognize, like, you know, you also have to recognize the pain in that. That's what you have to recognize. Next question. Okay, I see a very long comment on the yeshiva.net. Everybody could read it on their own. And... Uh, Okay, Chevra. So I'm going to wish you all a beautiful day on a kosher and afrelech in Pesach for you and your loved ones and your families and your communities and all of us and all of the Jewish people. May it really be a, a powerful, meaningful, real, authentic, internally, internally meaningful biyamtif. Um And as we learned yesterday in the Maimer, in the women's class that the Baal Shem Tev taught 
that the real Seder is the one in which a person can really, really go out of their comfort zone and not live in a world of expectations, but really connect to the reality of the moment, and the reality of your children, and the reality of your home, and the reality of yourself. So I bless all of you that we should be able to do this, send you my love and light, for you and all of our people and the whole world. And as we say in the Haggadah, I'm doing it in that order because of the unique uh, um, Pesach, because of the unique calendar this year, where Pesach begins with Amen. Thank you and have a beautiful Yom Tov. Today is the birthday of the Rebbe, Yeralef Nissen. Today is the Rebbe's birthday, Lubavitcher Rebbe's birthday. Begins 120th year, Kapitel Kufchaf. I had a schus last night to go to the Rebbe's oil in Queens to Daven over there. It was quite a big crowd. I don't know, there were like a thousand or two thousand, I mean, quite a few, looked like a few thousand people. It was pretty packed. I went late. Uh, but I daven there. I'll just conclude with a little vart, a little insight that I once heard from the Rebbe in honor of his Yamaladis, in honor of his birthday. It's one of the last talks I heard from the Rebbe before he suffered a stroke. It was Parshish Shmois Tavshin Nun Beis. And I always think about it on Pesach. Tagada starts off. After Avadim Hayinu, Amr Rebelazer ben Azariah, Harani Keben Shivim Shana Velezachisi, Shetami Yitzias Mitzrayim Balelis, Ach Darsha ben Zayma. You remember? Shanamar Laman Tiska, Sem says Chemait Mitzrayim, Kalye Mechayachi, Yemechayacha Ayamim, Kalye Mechayacha Alelis. Rebelazer ben Azariah says, I'm like 70 years old, and I never knew the reason that we mentioned Yitzias Mitzrayim at night, but finally Ben Zayma gave it to me. Menzoyma says, the Pasuk says, you should remember the day you left Egypt, all the days of your life. It could have said, you should remember Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, Yimechayecha. What's Kol Yimechayecha? So he says, Yimechayecha is the days of your life. Kol Yimechayecha is even the nights. Kol Yimechayecha, all the days of your life. It could have said the days of your life. All means even the night. And that's why we mention Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim by day and also by night. We say Krishna in the morning, we speak about Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim in the third section. And at night, again, we speak about Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. Both by day and by night. Why is it so important to mention both by day and by night? The Rebbe explained as follows. Every person's life has moments of day and moments of night. There's moments that things are bright and beautiful and you have clarity, and there's moments of confusion and uncertainty. The mitzvah of going out of Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, of going out of Mitzrayim, is both by day and by night. There's no such a thing a person says, I'm too much in a state of darkness to be able to go out of Egypt. There is never a darkness that is so powerful to cause you to be a slave. 
even in the thicket, in the midst of darkness. It's in the midst of darkness. You can emancipate yourself. You can choose a path of freedom, a path of awareness. On the other hand, in the middle of the day, things are so bright. He says, it's never a point that you should stop growing and say, oh, I'm done, I'm a liberated person. Even in the middle of the night and in the middle of the day, both, both extremes. Some people say it's too dark, and some people say everything is perfect, and I get stuck in the Mitzrayim of perfection. Whether the sun is shining brightly, or the sun has set, I always have to be able to open myself up to infinity, open myself up to truth. But wait! Rebbe Lezeb and Azariah said, I'm like 70 years old. Why like? So what does the Gemara say in Brachas? Because he was 18 years old. He was a kid. And they wanted to dethrone Rebbe Gamliel, the way he treated Rebbe Yeshua, and they wanted to appoint Rebbe Lezeb and Azariah, but he was too young. And in the morning, he saw some white hair in his beard, and his wife encouraged him, and that's why he says, The day he became a Nasi, the day he became the leader of the Jewish people, it looked like he was 70. He wasn't 70, he was 18. He was a teenager. This means that this is the first title that he taught. The first teaching, one of the first teachings that he taught was the source of saying Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim at night. Why was this the first Torah? Why is this the first Torah? And the answer is because this teaches us what a Jewish leader is. The definition of a Jewish leader is to teach Jews how to be able to experience Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim at night. When things are bright and perfect, I can experience Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. It's not so difficult. I could talk about Geula, but when there's a state of night... And a person could surrender to despair, and you could surrender to sadness, and you could surrender to expectations, and it's not the way it was supposed to be, and it's not the way it should be, and it's not the way I planned it, and I'm confused, and I don't know the future. The Elizabeth and Isaiah says, you know what my job as a Nasi is? He said, Nasi from the word Hisnasos, to lift people up. Here's the definition of what it means to be a leader. And every person is a leader. You're a leader in your own life. You're a leader in your home. You're a leader in your family life. You're a leader in your community. Every person is a leader. What does it mean to be a leader? To be able to help people experience Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim at night. To be able to know that wherever you are in the world, in any situation, there's no such a thing that you're stuck. But rather, you can touch the vibe of liberty and freedom, right here, right now, in your present circumstances and in your present reality. It means something different for every person. One person's Mitzrayim is still another person's Geula. In other words, if you're in a deeper place, right, my Geula could still be your Mitzrayim because you left Mitzrayim yesterday and today your Geula becomes your Mitzrayim tomorrow. We always have to leave Mitzrayim. So it means something else for every person. But wherever the person is, a Nasi, a, a mentor, a teacher, a figure, a father, a mother, a parent, a, a, a coach, an educator, a teacher, a pedagogue, is here to be able to help me always know that I never have to be stuck in Mitzrayim from the word Mitzrayim Magvulim. I can always touch the vibe, the energy of freedom.
Wishing you all a beautiful Pesach and a beautiful Yom Tif Lanu Ulechol Beis Yisrael. Thank you. Thank you, This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.